You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. God works all things together for the good. That's the promise. Here's the condition. To those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. He doesn't work everything out for the good for everyone or anyone. No. Only for those that are the called according to His purpose and those that love Him and are in Him. Are you in Christ? As you listen to today's message, Pastor J.D. encourages you to receive Christ into your life. Pastor J.D. teaches that when you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He will work all things in your life together for good. We'll learn that no matter what has gone on within your life, Christ can work all things together for good. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Psalms, chapter 91, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Not only the terrors by night, nor of the arrows that fly by the day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. That pretty much covers it all. Every day, all day, throughout the day. (laughs) And night, every night, throughout the night. Verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand. But it shall not come near you. I emphasize you, because when I read the Word of God, it, it helps me. Maybe it, it'll help you too. But I always try to imagine where the emphasis is. Here's an example. You know, throughout the Old Testament, God will say of Israel and to Israel, I am the Lord your God. Okay, now where's the emphasis? I am, again, personally of the belief that in most cases, the context would indicate that the emphasis was on I. I am the Lord your God. They're not your God. That golden calf that Aaron made for you when Moses was still on Mount Sinai and you didn't think he was going to come back down. And I know Aaron told you that, behold, the, the God that delivered you out of Egypt, of the golden cat. It's like, I go, hold, wait, ho, oh, ho. Oh. No, 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 no. You, you think that golden calf is the God that delivered you out of it? You think that's your God? No, I am the Lord your God. That's not your God. What are you kidding me? So where's the, the emphasis here? I think it's on you. You know, it might happen all around you, but it won't happen to you. It won't even come near you. Yeah, but a thousand just fell over here and 10,000, I know, but it's not going to happen to you. You want to know why? I just got done telling you that you, emphasis, you are under the shadow of His wings protected, sheltered by the Most High in the shadow of the Almighty. 
That's why. Verse 8, only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. That verse in and of itself could be a whole nother sermon for another time. I do believe that there will come a day when the righteous will see the justice from the hand of Almighty God when He judges the unrighteous. Not in a gloating sense, but just in the sense that I am God, I am just, my judgments are righteous and true and fair. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. This is why many believe that God has given angels charge concerning us. I don't want to get too weird here, and I know that there have been those who sadly have taken a biblical truth to an unbiblical end concerning angels, and I mean it's kind of gotten, you know, out of hand. But you have angels that have been commissioned to watch over you. But think about this, in the spiritual realm there are angels encamped round about God's people, protecting them, directing them, watching over them. I wonder if, and I I don't mean to take it to an unbiblical end, but I wonder if we're going to get to meet them in heaven, and (laughs) they're probably going to introduce themselves. Hi, you know who I am? No, tell me. Oh, I and the 500,000 other angels behind me were appointed to you. Oh, wow, I'm so glad it's over. But uh, we had a tough job, and you made it kind of hard on us because of who you are. And, uh, but no, I, would, I wonder if we're going to get to meet them. Wouldn't that be amazing? We have angels in the spiritual realm. We can't see them. Here's a, a thought, and I don't want to take this too far, but I think it would be appropriate to share maybe this example. How many times have you heard or known someone say that I was in a car accident. They'll even show you a photo of the car, and there's no way I should have walked out of it without a scratch. You think that's just a coincidence? No. Those were the angels, and there are accounts after accounts after accounts of how angels intervened on behalf of the one that they were given charge over, and thwarted the unthinkable. Those were angels. Those were angels. And that person walked out of that accident. And no, they shouldn't be alive. And the only reason they are alive is because they had angels watching over them. It's probably as good of a time as any to address a misnomer that is pretty common even within Christendom concerning angels. There's this thought, and it's said in passing, innocently maybe, we'll just give people the benefit of the doubt, but 
uh, you know, especially when a child dies. I know when our, our daughter Noelle died, there were many well-intentioned people that, you know, said, well, God just needed his little angel. <laughs> My daughter's not an angel. We're going to be above angels. I think there's a, a, a famous, a well-known movie around Christmas time about earning your wings and then a bell goes off. A Wonderful Life. Yeah, it's wrong. I'm sorry to ruin your Christmas, but that's not, that's not at all what happens. An angel, you don't, you don't earn your wings. Again, I, I don't even think angels have wings. I think we're going to be so blown away when we see what these angels look like. And by the way, we're, we're told in the New Testament that, this is a, a loose paraphrase, but just for purpose of illustration, they're kind of scratching their heads, kind of going, man, what is it with these people? Do they have any idea? And they just marvel at us, and, and they know that we will be over them. We will be judging them. They're to serve us. They're these, we call them guardian angels, and they are, to keep you in all your ways. Verse 12, in their hands they shall bear you up. Now, I want you to pay particular attention to verse 12, and if it sounds familiar, it should, and for good reason. We'll talk about it in a moment lest you dash your foot against the stone. You remember when Jesus, after fasting, was in the desert, and the devil came to him and tempted him and quoted Psalm 91. Once you, uh, if you're really who you say you are, why don't you throw yourself off of here And because he won't let you dash your foot against the stone, (laughs) there's only one problem, and it's, it's what he did in the garden. He's not quoting Scripture, he's misquoting Scripture. And he's twisting it just ever so subtly, ever so slightly, so it sounds right. So he says to Eve, hath God said, and he, he quotes God's words to Adam and Eve. But he just twists it a little itsy bit, and Eve is deceived. And as they say, the rest is history. Well, the same thing is true with the temptation of the Savior there in the wilderness. <laughs> I mean, a couple things. It, You have to know that and understand that the devil is not all-knowing. He is not God's opposite. He is not all-present, not all-knowing, not all-powerful. He is powerful, not all-powerful. He cannot be in many places at one time. God can. And he's not all-knowing, omniscient. God is. That doesn't mean he doesn't know. He's very intelligent. Oh, and By the way, he knows the Scriptures better than you and I do. And that's why he can deceive us by misquoting the Scripture. But for him to quote this psalm in tempting Christ, I don't know what he was thinking. So Jesus says, it is written, it is written, it is written. And that's how he defeats the devil 
and his temptation. Again, another topic for another time, but one of the things that is really, I guess, troubling, for lack of a better word, to me about the account of when Jesus was tempted, is it says that after Jesus resisted the devil and he fled, which we can do, which we should do, resist the devil and he will flee. How do we resist the devil? The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. It is written, it is written, it is written. It says that the devil left, but was going to come back at a more opportune time. I don't want to hear that. The devil's going to keep coming back, keep coming. He's very patient and he'll wait for a better time, a more opportune time, when we're weak, when we're discouraged, when we're tired, when we're hungry. That's when our vulnerabilities are more evident. And he studies us like a military strategist. He's looking now, and then he attacks. So verse 13, you shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because, verse 14, he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I want you to hang on to that for a moment. We're going to come back to that. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Wow, (laughs) what a psalm. It's one of those places in God's Word where you just have this sense that over the ages, this psalm has been this invaluable treasure for many a saint in times of great trial and great trouble. Contained within the magnificence of this timeless psalm, we have the absolute promise of protection from Almighty God. But, and this is what we need to see here, and what I want to talk about here, and then we'll bring it in for a close. It's conditional. What do you mean? Stay with me. We have this promise of refuge. We have this promise of protection. We have this promise of these guardian angels to watch over us, guard over us, to keep us on the way, the right way, the right path, to protect us. We have all these promises that are ever so eloquently articulated in this psalm, but they're predicated upon our dwelling in and trusting in the Lord. In other words, this promise of protection is not guaranteed for those who are not in the Lord, who don't trust in the Lord who don't call on the Lord in their time of trouble. It's a conditional promise. I hate to bring up Romans 8.28, 
But do you realize that's a conditional promise too? I mean, we, we love that promise, right? That God work, we know, not we hope, not we think, we know that God works all things together for the good. That's the promise. Here's the condition. To those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. He doesn't work everything out for the good for everyone or anyone. No. Only for those that are the called according to His purpose and those that love Him and are in Him. Dwell in Him. Have a saving relationship with Him. That's who this promise is too. But here's one more. We love this one too. We sing this like we do all the others. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and He will direct your paths. Another translation renders it, and he will make your path straight. Okay, that's the promise. But there are three conditions. What are the three conditions? First, we can't lean on our own understanding. Second, we have to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, not half-hearted, all of our heart. And we have to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Then the promise is he will direct our paths but it's predicated upon those three conditions, the promises. Okay, one more. This will be the last one. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which we're going to be uh, getting to here in a couple weeks, Lord willing, in our study through Philippians on Sunday morning. Life verses for me. So verse 6 basically says this, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And here's the promise. The peace of God that surpasses all human understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the promise. Three conditions. Thank Him for everything. Pray about anything and you'll worry about nothing. And then He will give you that peace. I was thinking about this when it comes to being thankful, being thankful. Just think about how often you thank God. My uh, other son, Elias, my oldest son, I did something and he was so thankful. He was like, thank you, Baba, thank you so much. And I, I was just so blessed. He was so grateful, just such gratitude, so thankful. And and I thought to myself, wow, if I'm that blessed by my son as an earthly father being so grateful and thankful to me, how much more are you blessed as my heavenly father when I'm thankful and grateful to you? And by the way, the Lord notices. You remember when he healed those 10 lepers and only one came back and said, Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Jesus responds with this, where are the other nine? He notices. It gets his attention to be thankful. And when we pray, and we'll talk about this more in Philippians, but when we pray, here's the problem. We're, we're always just, you know, 
Lord, I need this, and I need I need this, I need that, and about this, and this, and we bring all of our problems, all of our needs, all of, not that we're not to do that, but I almost imagine, well, imagine as an earthly parent how that would be if your kids just kept, kept coming back saying, I need this, I need that, I need this, and I need that, and I need this, and I need that, and, and you're going, wow, where's the gratitude, man? What about what I just gave you? Oh yeah, thank you for that. But I need this, I need that, I need that. No. <laughs> that would be heartbreaking, right? And we just bring to God all of these requests and there's just no thank you. Thank you so much, Lord. I can't even begin to thank you enough. That blesses the heart of God. I want to close with this true story. It's from Peggy Joyce Ruth in the military edition of her book, Psalm 91, God's Shield of Protection. This is a a treasured book in my library. I really highly recommend it, but she writes about the story that's told from Corey Ten Boom's clippings from my notebook. Many people came to know and trust the Lord during World War II. One was an Englishman who was held in a German prison camp for a long period of time. One day he read Psalm 91. Father in heaven, he prayed, I see all these men dying around me, one after the other. Will I also have to die here? I am still young and I very much want to work in your kingdom here on earth. He received this answer. Rely on what you have just read in Psalm 91 and go home. True story. Trusting in the Lord, he got up and walked into the corridor toward the gate. A guard called out, prisoner, where are you going? I am under the protection of the Most High, he replied, quoting Psalm 91. The guard came to attention and let him pass. For Adolf Hitler was known as the Most High. It gets better. True story. He came to the gate where a group of guards stood. They commanded him to stop and asked where he was going. He says again, I am under the protection of the Most High. All the guards stood at attention as he walked out the gate. The English officer made his way through the German countryside and eventually reached England, where he told how he had made his escape. He was the only prisoner to come out of that prison alive, Psalm 91. That is one of a myriad of true stories concerning this magnificent psalm of protection. There's a lot to learn from the book of Psalms, and we're so glad you've joined us to sift through it all with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. The range of emotions expressed in the pages we've been studying give us an accurate and beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father, the almighty and loving creator of the world. Before we end our time with you today, we'd like to share how you can access more of these messages right now. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. 
You can even take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. Find a link to our app on our website or search for In Spirit and Truth in your app store. This will provide you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and access to the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into an eternal perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through our website. Again, that address is inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen to God's Word today. We pray it's blessed and encouraged you greatly. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Psalms when you join us next time, right here on In Spirit and Truth.